Meet HTT's 2020 Fleet Innovators, Part 1. In this episode, I'm going to introduce you to half of our 2020 Fleet Innovators Ensemble. We'll meet the other three fellows in the next episode. I'm Jim Park, and this is HTT Talks Trucking, Season 3, Episode 3. HTT has been presenting its Innovator Awards annually since 2006. They recognize fleet executives for their leadership role in fostering innovation in their companies and the industry. Some are honored for a specific initiative, others are honored for their general leadership in innovation. The hunt for the winner of this year's awards, which was sponsored by ConMet, by the way, led us to Doug Lloyd, the Director of Maintenance at Averett Express in Cooksville, Tennessee, Chris Woody, the safety manager of M&W Logistics in Nashville, Tennessee, and Mike Palmer, the vice president of fleet services for Estes Express in Richmond, Virginia. Doug makes extensive use of technology and data to improve shop efficiency and reduce unscheduled downtime. Mike has several projects on the go with vendors that have already come to fruition, including a pup trailer that can handle about 30% more freight and a lift gate designed for extra large cargo. Chris used onboard technology and data to build a safety bonus program, coaches drivers, and to foster a culture of safety at the carrier. All three are coming your way in this episode. We'll start off with Doug Lloyd in just a moment. Count on HDT to bring you the latest news on COVID-19 and lots of original reporting from our award-winning editorial team. Our coverage includes market reports, reader surveys, webinars, and more. Check out our COVID-19 Information Center links on truckinginfo.com. Doug, you run a fleet of tractors that numbers 5,000 tractors, 15,000 trailers across 35 shops with nearly 250 mechanics. Well, one of the reasons I think you became one of our innovators this year for 2020 was your, uh, I guess, adoption of technology and data. Uh, in the maintenance plan and program there at uh, at Everett, so what role does you know data analytics play in the uh, vehicle maintenance operation? We started off with the TMW Trimble Tina system, and we went to the OEMs and got their job code efficiency numbers for each uh, turning a wrench is is the way we like to describe it. So. Every time a shop associate is logged on to an RO, he has a specific job code that he is working on. And then in the background, we are running averages for the entire fleet. Uh, we, we started with OEM hours, and now we're using Averett. So in other words, if a shop associate in Dallas can complete a task in 2.2 hours, and then another one in a smaller shop can do it in 2.4. We average that, and that is our job code efficiency for that that task. Uh, th- that information is presented to shop leaders on a weekly basis so they can view uh, shop associates to make sure that uh, they do not need additional training. They have par- appropriate parts. Or if they just need to discuss why a job took more time than a job code efficiency is allowed and share that with the group. So that was one of our biggest uh, accomplishments early on was the job code efficiency 
and real-time data log for ROs. Can you apply that same thinking to uh, you know, any roadside events or unexpected kind of repairs that you run into, or is this strictly on a sort of a PM basis? This this is this is strictly PMs or any any ROs in our shop. Uh, on the breakdown system, uh, we early on before there was any uh, remote diagnostics, uh, we 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 met with all our vendors. Uh, we asked them to sign an agreement that they would meet any job codes that is either OEM or Averett specified. And then we also asked them to show us their parts cost and we would do a parts plus number with each, each vendor. And, uh, we, we gained vendors that trusted us. We trusted them. And uh, their their business increased because they became our primary supplier, and we saw we saw our maintenance costs go down on outside vendor through breakdown with that scenario. Now you bring in the remote diagnostics that we have now. Uh, we are mainly Detroit and Volvo, uh, the Detroit Connect system, and the Volvo Decisive. We have two individuals at corporate that are monitoring codes on a daily basis and they are telematic with the vendor and or the driver to get the system back and running in a timely manner. So uh, no doubt the uh, analytics of remote diagnostics has is, is really helped us on our breakdowns. Do you think a system like you've implemented there would work on a smaller scale? Um, I mean, you've obviously got the scale there, 15,000 tractors and 12, uh, 5,000 tractors. Um, sorry, 15,000 trailers and 5,000 tractors, uh, not to mention tons of shops and mechanics. If you had 150 trucks, could you scale what you're doing down and make it work in an environment like that? Most definitely. Most definitely. Now, I don't think you'll have to commit two individuals all day, but uh, you could have somebody that is part of their job is reviewing codes. Yep. And uh, then I think you'll, you'll definitely see your outside vendor costs go down and your towing will definitely go down. You're kept, you're capturing any, any issues that would, uh, would require a vendor to come out and tow the unit. So yes, if you had 150 tractors, I, I would definitely be using that system. So what advice do you have for fleets on implementing these advanced driver assistance systems with, uh, with video, with something else that you've done over at, uh, over at Everett? Uh, there's, our marketing team did a very good job on, uh, I, I don't want to say training, but just getting the word out that uh, the executive team made a decision. We're going to install a camera system. Uh, we we only did forward facing. We did not uh, have the driver facing system, and we made sure everybody had that. And then after that, we started installing at the larger uh, locations that had 150, 200 tractors. And by the time we got to the smaller locations, the word of mouth from drivers that this system is here to help the driver. Uh, if you're in an accident, you are already guilty. 
uh, let this system prove to you or to whoever that the, you were in the lane and you were doing nothing wrong when the accident happened. So uh, the training is, is key first. And then when we install it, we try to educate the driver of what this system's going to do for them. And uh, it's, it's worked great for Averett. The drivers know the system's there. They know how to operate it. They know when to request a video. So we, we have that data for a later date, and it's, it's worked well. Well, listen, Doug, uh, any sort of final words you might want to offer to uh, the listeners in terms of, uh, you know, taking that safety plunge head on and not worrying too much about what the drivers think? No, I, again, I think uh, education education before you start the system, and then uh, I, I really think even, again, like 150 tractor fleet, uh, a system that works in their favor, word of mouth is going to get around pretty quick. Very good, sir. Well, congratulations on being named to one of the uh, fleet innovators for 2020 at HTT, and I sure appreciate you spending a little time with us and talking about it. Thanks, Doug. Thank you. Our next guest on the HTT Talks Trucking Innovators podcast is Mike Palmer. He's the Vice President of Fleet Services at Estes Express Lines in Richmond, Virginia. He's one of those guys that's never happy with good enough. He's always looking for a better way of doing something or getting more efficiency out of an old way of doing something. And he's come up with some really interesting ways of improving productivity at the company. Uh, Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you aboard here, sir. And uh, congratulations, too, for making the uh, 2020 Innovators team. That's a bit of an accomplishment. Well, thank you. You've uh, you've been working on some stuff, science projects, maybe in the early stages over at Estes, all, uh, all designed to improve freight capacity and make people's lives easier and safer. Can you tell us about the uh, elevator you've come up with for your pup trailers? This is a really interesting one. So uh, we started on this about a year ago. Uh, and the idea sort of came about. I've seen some drop deck trailers, and I've always been intrigued with that space underneath the trailer. And uh, you know, we run skirts on the, under the trailers now, but but I always looked at it as wasted space. So uh, we we came up with an idea, and I worked with Strict Trailers. They they've been a very good partner on this. The drop deck's been around, and and the, even this idea of taking advantage of the space underneath the trailer's been around for a while. I think I'd mentioned it uh, in, in the article that, that I think Carolina Freight had one that I that I saw years ago that had trap doors on it, so to speak. And, and so you would open it up, and I think you had to load it by hand, and then you closed it back up. And so one of the things we were trying to accomplish with the elevator trailer was being able to take advantage of that space, but we also wanted to be able to use forklifts to load it. And so that's kind of where we came up with the idea of these platforms that could go up and down. The concept, and we, we really like the idea that, you know, a regular pup probably holds about 20 pallets, uh, and we double stack in our trailers. So you get 12 on the bottom and usually eight on the top. And near the rear, we, we don't have the uh, captive beams because of the, the roll-up doors, so uh, we, we don't double stack all the way out. But with the elevator trailer, we actually uh, put swing doors in the back, which added some more space for double stacking, and, and we're hoping to triple stack in the belly. 
So, uh, which adds about six more pallets to the uh, trailer, which is about 33% more capacity. So, uh, and, and these trailers will be used on our longer runs, uh, which allows for us, uh, in these, in that case, to spend more time loading them. Uh, there's some certainly some safety issues, and, and we've Strick has has done a good job uh, creating some uh, some lighting, some safety mechanisms, so that the the dock workers know when the the, the, the elevators are up or down. So it's been a neat project, and uh, we got kind of delayed. Uh, we were supposed to have these uh, already running, uh, but with the COVID, um, we got delayed. So it'll probably be late summer before we put this set on the road. Well, very clever. Congratulations on you for coming up with that one and for Strick for making it happen. Um, another one of your excellent ideas that we heard about in that interview we did with you uh, in qualifying you for the innovators was a lift gate um, that can accommodate some pretty big pieces of cargo. And lift gates have been traditionally a bit of a challenge. How does this one work and what's the advantages to it? The lift gate uh, story is, is kind of uh, one where I, I happen to be at a terminal and uh, was holding some meetings, and uh, one of the drivers had come up to me. He knew he found out who I was, and that I was responsible for uh, purchasing equipment and specking it out. And he he drove a straight truck, and he wanted to show me um, something uh, about the lift gates. And so I went out there, and he said, "Look, uh, with with these lift gates we were using, we were probably about I think it was about eighty four by sixty was the size of the gate. And so uh, as as most companies no, we we you know with the LTL industry and these shipments to homes are becoming more and more prevalent, and so uh, and, and not only that, some of them are getting uh, quite a bit larger. So uh, this particular driver was showing me. He said, "I get these pallets, and sometimes they're ten or twelve foot long, and so he'd have to come out uh, and turn the uh, pallet sideways to get it off the truck." And I said, "Wow, that's not good." And so that's when we came back and, and started uh, working on a, a bigger pallet, mainly longer, so that the, the drivers could just push it out the back and not have to turn it sideways. So we worked with one of our other partners, um, Anthony uh, Liftgates, and uh, we have designed an, a, a gate that is 102 inches long and about 90 inches wide. And so... Uh, we've, we've built several prototypes and, um, you know, we wanted to make sure this gate would work in all the different scenarios, uh, dock locks, different types of terrain. And so we've gotten some good feedback from our drivers and we've had to tweak it probably four or five different items to, uh, to make it better and, uh, more driver friendly in terms of, uh, deliveries. So does this one fold up and tuck underneath the back of the truck at the bottom or is it fold up against the door? Well, here's the here's the the good part. Uh, most rail gates, and we'd used rail gates in the past, and the issue with the rail gates for drivers was they the, they had to lower it down every time they made a stop. And this particular gate actually stows beneath the door, and, and so the driver, if if he's not if he's going to regular docks, uh, he doesn't have to lower it every time. So. Uh, that 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 was one of the reasons we had gone away from the the rail gates years ago to yeah. the tuck. So uh, so yeah, so it's a, a tripod. Yeah, those rail gates can be pretty inconvenient when you've got a lot of uh, dock deliveries too. <laughs> Real pain yes. in the rear end. Yeah. 
Best of luck with that project, too. And I want to dig into one more with you before we uh, let you go here. Uh, tires are a huge cost for any fleet. Um, any way that a fleet can figure of keeping more tires on the truck or keeping them from exploding or going flat on you is going to be to their advantage. And you're starting on a project now with uh, just that technology. You could put your tire problems behind you with this. Uh, well, yeah, tires has, has always been um, a big animal. And, um, you know, especially during the summertime, uh, there's a certain uh, season of tires where you have failures on the road. And uh, during the winter, it's usually not as big an issue. And uh, so uh, I guess what had happened, we had gone to tire inflation years ago, and, and that helped uh, with with some of these tire failures. But uh, we were looking at the new technologies coming out, the tire chips, and several OEMs had some pretty neat uh, devices. you got telematics now that you um, get information off the trailers. And so uh, we had looked at several of these and uh one of the one of the obstacles was most of these you had to uh on the new tires it would probably work fine but then when you started recapping and we run a lot of recaps uh you got into some issues about okay it it almost seemed that if you went to a technology that, that these tire OEMs were providing you would pretty much have to buy everything from them and uh we didn't like that idea so uh so we 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 went to our tire one of our tire vendors and challenged them and said hey see if you can come up with something uh that kind of would work for new tires recap tires that that we could use on our entire fleet without uh committing to you know one particular oem or supplier and uh so they came back with a couple different items and we finally uh, they finally came back with one that caught my eye. It was called a wheelwright. And so it, it would measure the pressure. It, it's a tire mat, uh, not not any new technology per se. That's been out there a while, but this one's got a little different twist to it. And uh, but, the, but the one thing that kind of uh, struck me was he said, we think we can give you tread depth. And so... You know, uh, the the tire pressure and the tire monitoring is great, but nobody's been able to do anything with tread depth. So uh, I said, hey, we'd like to take a look at this. So we ended up putting in, we were actually putting in three. We put these at the inbound uh, side of our, our terminal, so when the driver comes in off the road, he's forced to go across it. And uh, as he goes across, he doesn't have to slow down. He can run across it at 10 or 15 miles an hour. And what it does is it, it has a lot of cameras underneath there, and it takes pictures, and it actually monitors the the the, the tire pressure, but it also take, uh, looks at the tread depths. And and it pretty much, on the tires, it'll do at least 70% of the tire in terms of looking at it in the tread depth. So, uh, so when the driver comes across it, um, he will get a red light, green light, and if he gets a red light and he knows he needs to go to the shop, and by the time he gets down there, the system has sent a work order to our shop and said, hey, this particular unit has a uh, left front steer tire with low air pressure. And so our shop guys are able to grab that unit, check it out, change a tire if they need to, or adjust the tire pressure. So it's it's been a really neat system, and uh, we're just getting into it to uh, in terms of knowing what it can do and what it, what it will do for us. 
Well, Mike, it seems for, for you anyway, thinking out of the box is sure paying off. You're bringing an awful lot of uh, interesting and innovative ideas to Estes. Well, I, I, I can't take all the credit. Uh, I have a great team of guys I work with, and uh, there's about three or four out there that, that uh, are, are they used to be technicians, and they're shop foremen now, and, and, and these guys can do anything with their hands in terms of making stuff. They're very mechanically inclined, and so so we will bounce things off of each other, and, and you know, I'll have an idea, and they'll build it, and and then we'll tweak on it a little bit, and and so so it's not it's not just me; it's it's a whole group effort there, in terms of making some of this stuff come together. And I and I have to give credit to the vendors too, because once we get it to a certain level, we go to the vendors and say, hey, uh, will this work? And you know, they'll put some engineering math on it, and 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 they'll come up with uh, even a better product. So so it's a pretty neat process, and and we have a lot of fun doing it. Well, that's half the battle. You know, if you can enjoy your job and uh, you know, bring something to the table in the process, you pretty much got her licked. Thanks for sharing all that with us. Sure thing. Okay, Mike, take care, and we'll talk to you again soon. So long. All right, thanks, Mike. We're speaking with three of HDT's 2020 fleet innovators on this episode of HDT Talks Trucking. We'll meet the rest of the group in episode four. Still to come on this episode is safety director Chris Woody of MW Logistics. Don't go away. There's more going on in trucking today than just COVID-19. Stay on top of what's happening in trucking with HDT's award-winning news coverage and technical features. We offer webinars, market reports, reader surveys, and more. Stay on top of your game with truckinginfo.com. This is Jim Park, and you're listening to HDT Talks Trucking. We're talking now with uh, Chris Woody. He's the safety manager at MW Logistics. They're based in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Woody's got a real passion for safety, and he's taken full advantage of some of the onboard technology and the data that comes from those systems to build a bonus program to help coaches, drivers, and to foster a culture of safety at the at the carrier. Uh, Chris, welcome to HDT Talks Trucking. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here. Where did your uh, initial interest in fleet safety come from? How long have you been involved in it? And just tell me how you got to be where you are. Yeah, um, I, I've been working in the safety department for about five years now. Um, I first came to M&W, oddly enough, is, as a, a payroll guy. Um, it, it, we thought it might even just be a part-time job, but I, I needed a job and, uh, and, and it was open. And I came here and, and worked in the payroll and HR field. Um, here at M&W, we're a, a medium-sized carrier, but a, a very small staff that works closely together. And um, as I keep sticking my nose into things, safety's right across the hall and um, started helping out with that. And um, it, it, it didn't take very long to, to discover that that's, that's where my passion is. So you basically didn't know much about trucking safety and transportation safety when you took on the job, but learned on the job? I, I didn't know in much about a truck at all. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I really didn't, but um, I, it, it was it was really amazing to me. Um, it, it really struck a chord of um, I was like a lot of other people, and I didn't really even see um, much more than there was a truck, much less that there was a driver in there. And when, once I got to know the drivers, and I could see that. Their first concern also is is to be safe. They want to get home to their families, and they want 
they don't want to hurt anybody. Um, but safety is always this issue that we have. Um, I was like, there, there's got to be something that we can do here to to put two and two together and um, and, and everybody work together and, and keep the roadway safe. Well, you were one of the earlier adopters, I think, of uh, video-based safety systems. And yeah. Again, I'll, I'll point back to that sort of driver reluctance to uh, to accept that sort of surveillance technology, if you will. Uh, how did you overcome that when you first introduced those systems? Rather than the first thing that we did would, was to explain the technology, the first thing that we did was explain our motivation. Um, you know, we, we don't want our drivers wrongly accused, which they often are whenever there's a, a crash between a, a, a car and a truck. Um, so we want to protect them. We want to protect this business from those attorneys who, uh, who prey on businesses like ours um, and r- ruin businesses and ruin drivers' careers needlessly. Um, and we want to do something that we can, um, where we can recognize uh, the drivers that are are doing really really well, um, and give them the recognition they deserve. And when, we, because we all know each other, and they knew they could believe that, or at least most of them did. Some of them aren't going to believe anything, but, um, but it was taken at face value, and and we've all worked really hard to come through and and not break that trust. How was driver acceptance today? Then everybody is at least okay with it. Okay. Um, and most drivers are to the point now where they wouldn't do without it. Um, there's still those days where you're just not having a great day and, and that camera pointing you at in the face is, is the last thing in the world that you need. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, uh, I feel like most of our drivers would be, um, would feel a little bit, uh, vulnerable if they didn't have that camera because they've seen, what we've done with it. We're, we're, we're protecting our drivers. We're taking these, uh, videos and sending them off to these lawyers to, to keep them at bay when they try and, uh, get over on us. Um, and we're paying out a, a ton of money in safety bonuses. Let's talk about the bonuses then. I'm sure that, uh, helps with driver acceptance quite a bit. You know, there's nothing like good old cash to improve morale. <laughs> Can you give me a number, like an average of what the drivers are seeing, you know, at the end of the year in terms of their safety bonuses? Sure. Well, we're we're paying them out every four weeks um, uh, rather than quarterly or yearly. We thought that was really important um, because, hey, even the the best driver can even the best driver can mess up every now and then, and um, so we didn't want a driver who messed up to be ruined for a whole year. So paying out every four weeks, uh, a driver here can expect to bring home three to $400, uh, every four weeks. Uh, we're paying out about $30,000 every four week period. Um, you know, close to half a million dollars a year in safety bonuses. You said earlier that to you, uh, your passion for safety goes, you know, beyond uh, collecting a paycheck, even probably keeping the fleet and drivers safe. It's you know, a cultural thing with you. When you go to a safety conference or you get together with a bunch of other fleet safety people, uh, how do you view them as competitors or partners in this? What's your relationship to the rest of the safety community? Boy, that, thank you, Jim, because if I could say one thing to everybody in the world, it would be, yes, we're, we're competing in business. We would love to have the load that you're hauling right now. 
Um, but when it comes to safety, we're all out there together. We've, we've, we've only got this one set of roads here in North America, um, and we've all got to drive on them, and we've all got to look out for each other. Um, I, 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 I tell those folks at conferences that, hey, when my wife and my kids go out today, they're going to be driving on the road, and they're not going to be surrounded by M&W trucks. They're going to be surrounded by your trucks and your trucks and your trucks. Um, and I'll do everything I can, of course, to protect my family. So I, I have to live that and I have to go out and, and I and, and talk to these other carriers and say, hey, I, it, whatever I know, if it'll help you, um, I'll give it to you for free. Um, and I'll my I'll take my time to do it. And I, I, I really want you to do the same thing for me. Um, if we could have that. Um, I, I think between all of us, we've got all the parts we need to really take care of things out there. And at least as far as commercial drivers go, um, we, we, can, we can get our part solved. Since we did the original initial interviews with the uh, Truck Fleet Innovators, uh, COVID-19 came along. Um, how did your company uh, deal with that crisis? We did... Um, what a lot of other carriers did and a lot of other companies did. Um, this is new to all of us. So we were, I think like everybody else, trying to find what the right thing to do was um, and follow their lead. So we assembled a team, a task force, um, and we spent several days sitting down and um, uh, figuring out what our protocols were going to be uh, as far as cleanliness, uh, who we could send home, um, for the folks that had to stay here, how do we keep them distance? Um, and uh, we spent a lot of time um, on on figuring out these different scenarios. Okay, what do we do if this person gets sick? All right, what do we do if this person gets sick? And that took uh, a lot of time. Um, but uh, the the chances that I've had to talk to everybody else, um, it, it's it was really the the magic formula. It was very, very easy to do um, because we had already had the scenario all mapped out and we knew what our protocol was. Um, and that was such a huge relief. Um, the, the leadership in this company um, it, is top notch and, and, and planning uh, is, is the key to everything. And I, I would still tell everybody um, with this whole COVID-19 thing still in flux and, and who knows what the fall and winter uh, has in store for us. Uh, make your plans and uh, think of every scenario you can um, and and jot down a plan for it. So no matter when it happens or who has to be in charge in that moment, uh, they know what to do uh, and it goes very, very smoothly. And I guess that's why we made you one of our 2020 fleet innovators. Boy, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, <laughs> nothing nothing works like a good plan. Appreciate that, Chris, and uh, thanks so much for spending a little time with us here on HGT Talks Trucking. All the best to you, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jim. This episode of HGT Talks Trucking was brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, an intimate fleet networking event that takes place November 16th, 17th, and 18th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn what HGTX can do for you and your fleet. You can meet HDT's fleet innovators at HDTX in Phoenix this coming November. The event is planned for November 16th through the 18th, provided we get this pandemic sorted out by then. 
Thanks and congratulations once again to our guests, Doug Lloyd, Mike Palmer, and Chris Woody. We're now into Season 3 of HDT Talks Trucking. If you haven't already, check out the other episodes from the first two seasons and our COVID-19 special reports. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you find the podcast useful, please share it with your co-workers and friends on social media. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening. Thank you.